Welcome back, everybody. We are discussing the unforeseen, unexpected that happens in the lives of believers. So for believers that uh, can testify for, of their own lives that they have been walking a faithful road, seeking the Lord on a daily basis, um, paying attention to their own process of sanctification and, um, and uh, being faithful in the ways of God. Um, for such a believer, it's sometimes very difficult to accept when negative things start to manifest in our lives. Um, we are very often quite shocked when a sickness does come into our own personal lives when things break or when plans that we have made and carefully executed does not give us the results that we have been hoping for. Uh, we're talking about normal life um, on a daily basis and when things happen unexpectedly, things that we perceive to be negative. Mm -hmm. Now, I think one of the uh, focal points of this uh, study for me would be to, uh, to discern wisely what is behind the negative occurrence. Mm. So sometimes things happen that seem in the moment that seem to be negative. Something that's not from God. Something we didn't want. Something we don't understand. And then we want to take action against it. And there is times when we need to take decisive action to resist the works of the enemy. There's times we need to take a decisive action when it comes to our own um, unfaithfulness or our own sin or our own areas of uh, not being repentant. There's times when we do need to take action in prayer. There's times when we need to look at a situation and um, decide, is there decisive action needed? Mm. Now, obviously, when you're looking at a situation, it would be uh, vital to the success of your action to first make an accurate assessment of the situation that you are looking at. And this is the tricky bit. So this is going to be a learning process for most of us and it, and it can take years because we grow in wisdom and we grow in authority and we grow in understanding. And we also um, gain experience as we do life. And so this is all a learning curve. We're talking about possible sickness when illness come, when... Um, unexpected things like losing employment, financial loss, etc., etc. Um, there's been people that has experienced uh, attempted break-ins, a car gets stolen, things like that. These are big events that cause us trauma. And um, we want to uh, ascertain, firstly, what is the right response? Who's behind this? And so let's run through the options. And I'm not saying that I've got a comprehensive list. Let's just speak together about how we should approach it. The first question 
uh, I'm going to ask is, was this an event that should not have taken place? Is there a possibility that something happened and it was not supposed to happen? With other words, is it something that's not in God's plan? And this is where wisdom comes in. Because most believers out there, most Christians, uh, maintain an attitude that nothing um, out of the ordinary or negative should ever happen in their lives because God is good, they have um, paid their tithes, they're supposed to be protected, they are, uh, have you ever heard the saying, blessed beyond a curse? It's not completely wrong. It's actually um, very close to biblical. But it's taken out of context. So firstly, we want to determine, is uh, the thing that's happening something that could possibly be part of the road that we are walking on, part of uh, the everyday process of learning, being trained, and so forth. Because we are um, taught by the Word and in the Word to overcome. So we don't want to just be stubborn and um, narrow-minded and, uh, and miss some of the truths in the Bible. That's why we've been looking at the story of Paul. And Paul is going through a sequence of negative events. Things are going horribly wrong, seemingly, in his life. He gets arrested. He's almost beaten um, by the Romans. He saves himself from that situation by making known that he's a Roman citizen. Then he's dragged in front of uh, uh, one of the kings, and here he, um, he calls on the authority of Caesar, which now means that he's going to have to be taken to Rome. So they put him on a ship, and there's storms, they get shipwrecked. Uh, it's cold, it's winter, it's rainy. Uh, 200 plus people, luckily the inhabitants of the island, um, uh, look after them, give them food, shelter. He's bitten by a snake, and a lot of things unfold. The reason we're looking at the story is the fact that even in the life of the Apostle Paul, that is an important vessel and tool in the hands of God, an important uh, New Testament prophetic voice. Even in his life, things are going um, wrong in a certain sense. But at the same time, within the big picture of disaster, things are going very right because his life is being steered in a direction. And so all the disasters and uh, turmoil is part of a big picture that is taking Paul in a direction. Um, within the bigger story, there's smaller things that happen. Uh, someone uh, with big authority or high authority on the island has a sick person and that person gets healed through the prayers of Paul. And this leads to him um, praying for many sick people on the island. And they bring all the sick people and he heals them. And so they're honored. And, um, and one thing leads to another, but there's turmoil and chaos and hardship. It's not um, a situation where Paul is experiencing um, all the lovely peace and rest and harmony and provision that we think um, uh, is supposed to 
be evident of God's goodness towards us. Now, God's goodness towards us, please pay attention, God's goodness towards us is His perfect will uh, steering us in the direction that we are supposed to go. Uh, it is going well with us when um, God is helping us fulfill His purposes. And sometimes within His purposes, um, we will experience discomfort. And we are not ignoring the fact that there's a roaring lion walking around looking where he can steal, destroy, and um, kill. So he is an enemy and adversary to the believers. And this is uh, where we're going to pick up and look at the fact that as a believer... I am resurrected in Messiah. Uh, I'm filled with His Spirit. And so I form a little nucleus of the kingdom of heaven on earth. But I'm still in the flesh. So although my spirit in the flesh is the seat of the kingdom of heaven on earth, the flesh on the outside still still represents what is fallen. Although the curse has been broken over me, the flesh is still part of the fallen world, and the flesh is in the fallen world. And in the fallen world, there's sickness, illness, viruses, <coughs> accidents happen, natural disasters happen, there's curses, there's all kinds of things, there's evil people, there's foolish people, and there's stupid people. And all of these factors are going to have an impact on my life. Mm. And we need to understand the complexity of this. So everybody knows the concept of the butterfly effect or the ripples that is caused in a pond when someone throws a pebble into the pond. Ripples going in every direction. And so we know that our actions and the actions of the people around us all have ripple effects and we uh, have an effect on each other's lives. So the complications that we're looking at is that we are a spiritual being in a process of refinement mm -hmm. and uh, being sanctified by the direct working uh, of the Holy Spirit in us, the direct working in of the will of God in our lives. And so He is busy refining us uh, through fire as gold is refined. So we have this. Number one, from the moment that I am called by God and I answer, I lay down my life and then I'm resurrected and then I'm in a process of overcoming and being refined by fire mm. as gold is refined. So that in itself already uh, tells me there's going to be heat applied, pressure applied, and it's a process of putting in the fire, taking out, putting in ice water. So you, the way that you forge a sword is you put it in the fire, then you put it in ice water, then you put it in fire. And so it's a repetitive process. So number one, we're seeing that. Number two, we are in a process of overcoming. Overcoming uh, obstacles in our own person, in our own thinking, and in our world around us. 
So now we're being refined and we are in the process of overcoming. This is mandatory. You cannot grow without learning to overcome. So these two processes are happening. Number three, we are being taught to obey God. Now, if there was no temptation to disobey Him, then we would not be learning to obey Him. Number four, He is teaching us through His Word and His Spirit and His body to reject and undo what we have learned from the world before. So there's the world system and basic principles of the world, and we need to reject those. And we need to learn to identify them, understand them, so that we can reject it, go against it, move in the opposite direction. And at the same time, he's busy teaching us his word, teaching us about the kingdom, the culture of the kingdom, his will. And so we are in a process of... uh, getting rid of turning away from one principle and turning to the other principles. And this means that as we acknowledge principles and we commit to those principles, as we acknowledge truth and commit to the truths, we become accountable and responsible to what we have committed to. So once we understand and acknowledge something in the Word of God, we now become responsible. And so if I don't... um, fulfill my responsibilities to the truth, then there's consequences. Mm. So this is an added layer of uh, factors that are going to impact my life. Responsibility and accountability. So now there's consequences. Then there's the normal consequences of sin and disobedience. With other words, if I do not maintain a focus and a discipline against anything that can cause um, addiction, then if I accidentally or without paying uh, attention make myself vulnerable to things that can cause addiction, I can become addicted in the flesh. It's not a spiritual dynamic. It's just physiologically I can become addicted to something. Okay? So... If a person allows themselves to become addicted to caffeine and overdo it, it can affect their sleep patterns, which have very practical consequences. Mm. With other words, it's neither God nor Satan doing anything in our lives. It's a simple consequence. Mm. So it looks like this. If... It has happened that I have gone to bed and I have forgotten to lock my house's front door. It has happened that I have not locked the front door. It happens. Not often, but it has happened. And then you're quite shocked the next morning when you get to the front door, open it, and you realize it was never locked. And you thank God that on that evening, nobody came to check on your security. But what if on that particular night a thief, a thief did come to your door? Then obviously there'd be very clear consequences to a very small mistake. Mm-hmm. So this hard works in the spiritual realm and in reality. It's just like that. Okay, we have learned that when we buy anything over the counter at a shop, 
we have to wait for the change. We give them cash, they're going to give us change. Now, I remember when I was younger, I had to actively remind myself to wait for the change. And it had happened to most people that someone would call them back and say, here's your change. Few people would have not had that experience in life. Now, these are small things, but it could have consequences of loss. It's no one's fault. A lapse in concentration or a lapse in discipline could have consequences. So now we have several factors, and you can note these for yourself. So there's normal consequences. Then we get to the actual uh, consequences of spiritual actions. So there's clear pieces of scripture that it tells us there's consequences if we do or don't obey the scripture. And we're going to look at this. I'm not going to read everything. You can go read it. We, have, we all know the Sermon on the Mount. And so we look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27. Uh, this is Yahushua teaching at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, for those in our fellowship, we have taught on this many times. You know the story. He says, those who hear these words of mine and does them, I will liken to a wise man who built his house on a rock or the rock. Now, the rock is all the words that he had taught in the preceding three chapters. So here he gives a comprehensive volume of instructions, wisdom teaching. It is to represent how to fulfill the law and how to respond as a new covenant believer in grace, filled with the Spirit, to the law. It functions as that. It is the Lord himself uh, teaching us about the, the, the implementation of the new covenant thinking and attitude. It's also the Lord <coughs> that is revealing to us the, 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 the culture of the kingdom of heaven. Now, he teaches all these things and then he says, There will be storms and rain will come and the wind will blow against your house. But the person who built his house in a certain way, in a certain place, his house will stand. And then he says, the safety that comes into our lives, the way we build our, our lives in a safe place, on a sound foundation, is to hear his words, understand his words, know his words, and do his words, and then our lives will become secure. But then he says, a person that hears these words of him and, um, and do not do them. So a person that doesn't obey when they hear his words, mm-hmm. that person will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And he says when the wind blows and when the storms come and when the rain comes, that person's house will fall. And this gives us a huge clue to how to understand um, the unexpected events of life and the consequences that goes with it. So number one, We understand that there is a risk involved in hearing the teachings of the Bible, reading the Bible, uh, hearing sermons about the truth, nodding your head, understanding and not doing it. There's a clear risk that is taught in the Sermon on the Mount by the Son of God Himself. 
So Yahushua teaches us that if you hear what God says in His Word, if you read it, if you've been taught it, if you have acknowledged it, and you do not go and do it, then there can be negative consequences. This is the number one thing that we want to factor in whenever we uh, are faced with the challenge of uh, figuring out why things went wrong. So when you have to uh, look at circumstances in your life or in other people's life, and you have to assess what went wrong, this is the number one question you ask. Mm. Did I or the other person or all of us that's involved at some stage come close or encounter the Word of God, acknowledge the Word of God and then walked away and didn't continuously implement and obey and do and live the Word that we have acknowledged. Now it doesn't help we do, well, let me rephrase. Sometimes we hear a teaching or we read a portion of scripture and it impacts us. And in wisdom, we start responding to it. So we obey that piece of scripture for a week or a month or at times. And then the consequences is simply that we remain sound and steadfast and safe and everything's going well. We never make the connection that things are going well because I'm walking in a safe place within uh, obeying the Word of God. But then many of us become forgetful or slothful, undisciplined or rebellious or disobedient then it becomes extremely hard or difficult to go and figure out what have I done that I'm no longer doing? How have I walked in obedience and have forgotten or veered off or changed my way or direction? But this is where we start to um, do some damage control. This is how we figure out why things have gone wrong. Mm. Okay. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in. Because He's the one that's going to help us understand what went wrong. He's going to warn us. He's going to advise us. He's going to counsel us. He's going to lead us to repentance. And now, when, we, when it starts occurring to us, when it's revealed to us where areas of repentance is needed then we simply need to fix it. We need to go back and be repentant, go back and be obedient. Uh, it doesn't help saying sorry to the Lord. We have to do what we're supposed to do, continue in the truth. And sometimes we uh, are only going to do that after consequences had already been activated. So then we've got to live with the consequences. I think this is the number one reason things go wrong in people's lives. Okay. Now, we cannot possibly cover all the um, angles in prayer, angles of life, angles of spirituality, angles of things. 
uh, in prayer and in focus cognitively all the time. But we need to continue to be led by the uh, Holy Spirit to walk according to the Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. It's number one in my list of uh, priorities. Now there's many, many factors that we uh, need to consider. I'm going to run through that which the Holy Spirit is uh, bringing to our attention. So, <clears throat> we can all, all of us that's been walking together as a fellowship, we can witness to the evidence of the kingdom in our lives by now. We all have a witness actively over a long period of time of God's goodness, of God being in our life, active in our lives, the kingdom manifesting in our lives. We can all witness to blessing flowing. We've all seen the evidence of actively enjoying the blessings of God. Mm. We can all uh, witness in our own lives and each other's lives of um, how provision have been flowing um, through everyone's life. Um, we've seen supernatural provision. We've seen normal, consistent provision. Mm. And we have enjoyed provision so we can witness to that um, all of us in this fellowship can um, witness to the reality experientially of the covenant manifesting uh, covenant for us not just an idea or a doctrine we get to understand covenant and then we see how covenant forms in our lives we all know that um, we have all enjoyed favor that's the exceptional favor not just provision but moments of exceptional favor. We've all tasted that. Mm. Um, we've tasted His presence and experienced His presence both in our corporate time together, our, our assembling time together, and our private times. And out there in the world, under different circumstances, we have all enjoyed His presence. Um, we have enjoyed His guidance. Now, I know everybody in this fellowship has had personal, clear, supernatural moments and times of his guidance, his wisdom guidance, his counsel guidance, being guided by the Holy Spirit in specific ways. And I believe that most of us are, are, are living an experience of being guided all the time. We have all come to understand his <clears throat> specific and perfect will. We've seen how the difference between when we were just kind of living life and uh, after our repentance, how his will is tangible. His will is real and his will is specific. We can all witness to that. Um, we can all witness to his discipline. When... We're just running along the road and all of a sudden things stop. Uh, you can see how the Holy Spirit is arresting you, holding you back, keeping you back, stopping you in your tracks. Gonna, we have all seen the discipline of correction when He puts His hand on your back and just leads you in the proper direction that you're supposed to go. We've all seen His discipline in consequences in our lives. Mm. We have um, experienced discipline in many ways. Uh, we have all experienced this correction where we thought uh, in a certain way. We perceived things in a certain way. We, were, we had convictions. And then uh, in a blink of an eye or overnight, we were convinced of the opposite. We 
have experienced correction in our persons, in our, uh, in our speaking, in our thinking, in our relationships, in our conduct, in our work, in our finances, in everything that we do. All of us can witness to um, supernatural godly correction. Mm. And um, we have uh, all seen his healing power. Mm. We live in that as well. We've seen him healing emotions, wounding scars, disappointments, and physical ailments, and even mental ailments. We have seen him heal emotions. And so we all know that this is a reality of our lives. We have experienced God's hand, his presence in our lives. And we have experienced in very clear tangible ways that he is actively involved in every detail of our lives, in our quiet times, our private times, in our relationships, in the moments even when we are not actively seeking him in prayer. We have learned to walk with him in a very natural fashion, walking in the spirit, and we know that he's living in within us and walking with us and walking us through life. And all of this is true, but yet things happen unforeseen and sometimes unfortunate things happen. Unpleasant things can happen. But disastrous things should not be happening to us without clear purpose. Mm. So can you read for us Romans 8 where it says all things work together for the good. So we have this one very clear reality for us as his body that we have the experience of all these wondrous things and this is not even a full list of what, how we have experienced God. We know that we are provided for. We know that we loved. We know that we covered by covenant. This we know without a doubt. There's no reason for us to doubt, even for a second. And we know that we are drawn close to his bosom continuously. We know intimacy. And we know the whisper of his voice. And uh, we know how he has opened up and revealed his written word to us. We have grown in understanding and in wisdom. And yet... Things can happen in our lives. Things can come our way and even come into our lives. And um, uh, things, can, things can go in a certain way that's not um, good for us or pleasant. And then we ask the question, if on the one hand we're living in covenant and we are so loved and provided for, how did this thing come in? Why is it there? Why is it happening? And how should I deal with it? Um, and this is where this scripture becomes vital to remember. Okay, so Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. So we know that we are called according to His purpose, and His purpose is revealed in this same chapter, that uh, His purpose for us is for His Son to be completely formed in us, for us to be conformed, 
to the image and likeness of His Son. We know this happens when we are resurrected out of baptism, but then it is a process of renewing the mind and uh, sanctifying the heart, the heart learning what uh, the Holy of Holies in us is. We know there's a process of us being conformed to His image, to His Son. We know His purpose is to glorify us in sanctification. And, um, and we know this is true. And this scripture says, those who love Him and are called according to His purposes can enjoy the assurance that all things work together for our good. But we know that the scripture is speaking about all things work together according to God's perfect will mm. for the good of the body. Mm. So the testimony of the body, the witness of the body, the coming of the kingdom via the body, the fulfillment of his ultimate plans through the body, the ministering of the gospel by the body and through the body, to the body. So we know this is what it means. It doesn't mean that all things are going to work to your personal advantage. Mm. It means that sometimes things will seem not to your advantage or even difficult for you personally, but it will contribute to the best outcome of God's perfect will for your community, for your church, for your family, for another person that you need to witness to or for uh, your generation. We know that our lives are a part of a bigger mm. plan. And within the context of that bigger plan, all things will work together yes. for the good of those, the body who love Him. And we know that loving Him is keeping His commandments and are called according to His purpose. So now we need to identify two things. All things will work together for those who are actively living a lifestyle continuously, who have um, organized all things in their life in line with something. So you can't be living uh, in a different direction and expect this scripture to be applicable to your life. Mm. The scripture of all things working together is only pertaining to those who have brought their lives together uh, as individuals and aligned it with the greater purpose for the body. Mm. That's when this scripture is applicable. Now, we'll see it playing out in our individual lives in small ways, but it's still part of a bigger picture. But to qualify this qualification, you need to love Him. And that means that loving Him, uh, those who love Him, keep His commandments. So, uh, we need to live a lifestyle of loving Him through keeping His commandments. Keeping everything, living according to everything that He said. So, this agrees with the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew mm -hmm. chapter 7, 24-27. Here we can see a very clear determining factor in how things will go in our lives. Things will go well to the degree that we live according to His Word, His teachings, His instructions. Um, and this means that things can go in a negative way to the degree that we are not living according to His Word and His instructions and His will. But then His purpose 
Now, this is the second thing that we have to make sure that it is in line and in place at all times for things to go well with us. Now, it's going well with me when I'm in his plan. And this is that I have to, my life should function within his purpose. And his purpose is for the body to be conformed to the image of his, of his, of his Messiah. And this means that my life is fitting into a bigger picture together with all the rest of the body. And if my life is out of sync with that, then things can go wrong. Mm. Okay. So bad consequences can simply be understood in light of these two things. Okay. Now, so we have Sermon on the Mount and we have the Scripture. Both of these very significant pieces of Scripture tells us very clearly that if we do things in the right way, as instructed, then it will go well with us. We'll be safe and sound. We know that covenant is explained and, and expressed in the same way, all through the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. So this is something we can now very simply understand. If we continuously bring every aspect of our person and our lives in line with God's clear instructions and His expressed will, and the Holy Spirit will lead us in these things and we allow Him without the resistance to lead us in these things, so we adjust and we keep things adjusted to His will, then the promise and the guarantee is <clears throat> our house will not fall, all things will work together for the good, and so we can expect a continuous good outcome, even if there's seeming glitches in uh, the process, these things will not change the outcome of positivity. But <clears throat> when areas of our lives or our person is not in line with this, then we can expect trouble. We can expect some things to not go well because the Bible says so. Now, if you go read the story of Balaam and Balak, here we learn that the Bible very clearly says about the Israelites that because God blessed them, they could not be cursed. The Bible says very clearly that what is already blessed by God cannot be cursed. And so no matter what the enemy tried to do in the story, you can go read it for yourself, the efforts of the witchcraft and Satan himself and even strong adversaries could not bring about a negative uh, spiritual impact on God's people. Mm. But the moment they were taught to veer from God's ways, to disobey God's instructions, curses could start to impact them. So again, basically the same picture. Okay. And now we're back at Paul and the snake. See, the snake still bit Paul, but the curse of sickness and death couldn't be fulfilled in his life. Now, this is where we've got to be wise. When a thing looks like it's uh, going negative in our life, so we get sick, a family member gets sick, we have to just remain steadfast, not change direction, stay in repentance, check that everything is in line with God's will, and if it is, We'll go through it and it will not destroy it and it will not cost us. All things will work together for the good. 
But if we find that something is out of line, we have to make decisions. And this is the very important thing to understand. When the evidence starts appearing that things are not all in line, we have to make decisions. And this is where the scripture comes in. If your eye causes you to sin, guard it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Now you see, this is the decision making. If the consequences are starting to compound, if consequences, negative consequences, are starting to show that the discipline of God, the consequences uh, is starting to show that the, 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 the access that the enemy is gaining to our lives is increasing, the discipline of God is increasing, that we are not uh, seeing the protection of the covenant, then if we can fix it in a way that doesn't need cutting off of a limb, then we do that. So there's repentance. But then, if extreme measures is needed, then we need to make decisions and make those uh, extreme uh, things happen. Mm. Now, this is very simple, because if we don't, then we cannot complain when the bad things continue to happen. And this is where we all know our own hearts and our own lives. Mm. And so when bad things happen, we check. If we can't find that I've been in... uh, rebellion, resisting the spirit, being unfaithful or disobedient to the word, then we just keep direction and we will come out of it. And it means that um, we're being tested or uh, we have just touched Mm. the fallen world. Okay. We're going to touch on something very important because this is very important to understand. Mm. And that's the Adam and Eve uh, dynamic again. We're going to look at it again. So everything was well, as perfect as can be. Adam just had to continue the way that he's been walking with God. In fact, the, the picture of the garden is the picture of the fulfilled covenant. It's exactly so, the picture of grace, the picture of fulfilled covenant. And, and you all know the story. I just want to lift this up. Mm. Uh, but Eve comes and her action has such a severe consequence that they are both expelled from the garden. Cain and Abel, they have the potential to live in a perfect world, although they're outside the garden. God is still talking to them. There's still enough food, enough space, um, enough of everything. But Cain ends up killing Abel. But Cain kills Abel after his sacrifice was accepted by God, after he receives favor from God. So what we're saying is that the actions of other people can sometimes still impact us negatively. And we're looking at the end of uh, the Apostle Paul's life mm. with covenant, with uh, fully serving God, with satisf- satisfying God, seeking God's will, going through hardships, living a sacrificial life. His adversary still do take his life in the end of the day. He does get killed. Mm. Um, but even this is, is going to fit into God's bigger purposes. So even in him dying, all things still work together for the good. Yes. It's just difficult for us to always understand how um, the hurt or the pain or the loss we're going through is still part of God's goodness. Mm. So we don't want to suffer loss or hurt or sickness uh, or death because of disobedience, rebellion, or because we were stupid, foolish, or negligent. Um, But we don't want to resist what God is doing Mm. because we have a false sense of everything must always go mm. 
Well, and this brings me to the main point. Listen carefully. We have been saying for the last three years that we have to become a wise people. For this church, um, everything we teach is focused on becoming wise. Now, we don't even know what the limitations of growing in wisdom is. But let me put this straight. Everything I've been saying could have been summed up in this. That if we are yoked together with people or circumstances that is not wise, sanctified, then they don't even have to be unbelievers. If they are foolish, they will bring us harm. If I am the foolish person that I'm not acting in wisdom, then I'm going to bring harm to myself and to others. So I know the principle is don't be yoked together with unbelievers. But in this case, within the scenario of, of the body and the sanctity of the fellowship, we are currently uh, shining the light on the fact that even saved spiritual believers who act foolishly or unwise can bring danger and loss and hurt and pain into the sanctity of the body. This is just a fact. And this is actually where we go into the deeper things of God. We way past the point of saved or not saved, mm -hmm. sanctified or not, not sanctified. Now we have already moved into the realm of godliness. Mm -hmm. And so now the gold standard has become wisdom for us. Wisdom. And let's get back to the fact that both of us have contracted the COVID-19 virus. Um, so I think we were maintaining, maintaining an average sense of uh, walking circumspectly and being wise when it came to um, preventative measures uh, as far as COVID-19 is concerned. But there's no question that I started relaxing my vigilance mm. over time. Still wearing my mask, still sanitizing, but slowly but surely um, started relaxing. Mm. The question is, is it, a, uh, is it possible for us to maintain such a high level of being careful uh, that we remain completely uh, safe without, be, without being um, fearful uh, worrying yeah. and so forth. I think this is what we're learning to do. We don't want to be fearful. We don't want to be obsessive. Mm. We just want to be obedient and wise. Now this comes back to looking at our fellowshipping together. Mm. We contracted the virus and there's no way for us to know from where. We can speculate, but the fact is that we walk in a fallen world, surrounded by fallen people, surrounded by a mass of people and circumstances that are all uh, vulnerable to the curses of the fall. Yes. And we're walking among that. And now, as a matter of fact, on, a, on an average day, um, we are being protected, saved, guided, steered by the covenant, by the will of God through a multitude of dangers on a daily basis. 
So when something like this happens, it's no evidence mm. that all of a sudden things went horribly wrong. Mm. On any given day, the amount of dangers for a believer out there is more than we can ever perceive. Yes. So an average unsaved person out there, they're going along, Satan is not necessarily focused on killing them or focused on derailing them. Mm -hmm. For an average believer, we are on the battlefield 24-7. There's an assault against us being launched all the time. There's spies in the spiritual realm, demonic spies, watching us and looking for any vulnerability all the time. So for on an average uh, uh, assessment of a year, all of us have been doing extremely well. But now when something happens and something does get through the armor, something does get through the defenses, then we want to try at least and understand what could have uh, been done better. Mm. Where could I have been wiser? And this is why we're doing this teaching. Uh, in combination with what we did on the last Thursday evening that we got together, I want everybody to go back and take it seriously. Now, here's the thing. And I'm speaking to every person individually. After Thursday evening, if you didn't go home and go take the question that we posed seriously and started seeking the Lord to know where my actions and where my personal um, lack in discipline, focus, uh, sanctification is going to cause vulnerability and danger to the group if you didn't do that if you don't currently now have a little list that you went and formulated then I want to ask you why not we did the Thursday evening exercise to make everybody aware of the need but I walked away and I had a sense I was very happy with how it went but I had a sense that everybody missed the point. Mm -hmm. That we were going to confess or talk about this one thing or these two things. Then it was over. It was to, the purpose of it was to get everybody to open their eyes and to go, we are going to have to look after everybody else's welfare. Now, a week later, we're in a situation where we are kind of out of the equation. We cannot interact with any of you, but we're still here. So we're having a little bit of a, 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 an exercise draw, uh, an opportunity to practice this. And we've done it before. So I want you to ask the question, if you didn't go home and meditate more, seek the Lord more on the fact that we have to sort out the areas in our lives where we become vulnerable so that we don't become a vulnerability to the body. And if you didn't go and continue with that process, I want to ask why. So it would point to not paying attention, mm -hmm. not being wise, not being vigilant, not taking responsibility for yourself and for the fellowship, not wanting to be the war, not standing and filling your own place and your own space in the fellowship, being forgetful, maybe just not caring enough, 
And if everybody hasn't been doing it, then how safe are we? How safe are we? Now, the evidence that we are seeing through our process of going through COVID-19 is that we were allowed to get sick, but not allowed to get very ill. Mm. Our experience of this is that this is happening for future reference. Could be that we needed to have antibodies. Could be that uh, for several reasons that we had to go through this. <clears throat> could be that the Lord was just helping us protect our time so that we could finish the work that we're supposed to do. Could also be to just point out to everybody that if we were taken out of the way, and I've said it a million times, would you guys be able to step up, step in, and help this fellowship continue? Now, I'm not saying that I cannot fall or she cannot fall or we cannot become weak or we cannot be wounded. But all of us have to do whatever we can. So right now, if we look at our lives and we can identify there's one aspect or one element that is dangerous, causing us to be vulnerable, there's a hole in the wall. What is the measures that need to be taken to close up and stop up the wall mm. and the hole? The fact is that we are living very privileged lives. We are living in the provision of God. We are living in the sanctity of the covenant. We are already in Messiah, filled with the Holy Spirit. And um, I want to uh, share edifying and wonderful, uh, beautiful teachings on the Word and, and immerse in the wonders of it most of the time. But this is something that the Holy Spirit is impressing on our hearts now. And that is that we need to guard against um, becoming so used to being safe. Mm -hmm. Becoming so, so used to being in covenant that we, um, we have to guard against not noticing mm -hmm. when we've gone from boiling hot to just slightly less hot. Um, and we are in a year and a process right now in our growth where we cannot be looking for um, teachings that, that are making us feel good for now. We are in training. We are in a very um, high-pressure season of training. Um, and we have to respond to the expectations of the Word and the Lord when it comes to us growing up. Our highest goal on earth, our highest value while in the flesh is to love the body, to protect the body, to be the body. Mm. Um, and we cannot allow that to just be theory. And so we want to encourage everybody right now um, before we start looking at all the rewards for overcoming, we want to encourage everybody right now to take this uh, truth that we see in the book of Judges and the story of the Israelites to take it to heart. The Lord led them into the promises. 
and then started giving them victories over their enemies. Jericho's walls came down, mm. and the angel of the Lord said, He's going before them. Um, we see how God gives their enemies into their hands. But if you go read Judges chapter through chapter 1, and then especially chapter 1 verse 27 through verse 36, we see a list of how the Israelites did not um, finish off uh, with their adversaries. They didn't finish off um, the, the conquest of the land in a proper way. So they were taking areas, but they were allowing the, that which was not of God to dwell with them in the land. So it became uh, uh, predominantly God's people and God's authority, mm. but not 100%. Yeah, not entirely. Not entirely. So there were, and I think we're in that place. I think we've moved to, we've kind of, we went from hoping that we will get any of it right to getting some of it right. Mm. And now we've come, many of us, to a place where large parts of our thinking has been renewed. Uh, large uh, parts and percentage of our understanding of the word has been corrected. And um, we have, we have repented in large parts of our lives. Uh, uh, the way we do things have changed. The way we, sp- we speak have changed. We have implemented principles. Mm. But now that sense of success, that sense of achievement, that we have actually um, done some of these things and we have mm. achieved some of these things, we have some, some uh, success in areas that seemed impossible before, I think this can uh, cause us not to see the areas of work that is still to be done. Mm-hmm. The lack that is still there. Um, and we go like, I'm doing so much better. Yes, we are. Yes. But the fact is that we have not arrived mm. and we're not in safety yet. And so they were achieving great victories over their enemies, taking the land taking over the cities, planting fields, and they were prospering. But as long as a few surviving members of the enemy was among them, they weren't safe. They thought they were safe. Mm -hmm. They got so used to the enemy being there that the enemy didn't seem like a threat anymore. That the enemy didn't seem dangerous anymore. As a matter of fact, after a while, they wouldn't have even noticed them anymore. And we see in the life of Samson that we have looked at, we see the consequences. Mm. The great hero with the extraordinary strength, even he cannot identify the great danger. He knows the Philistines are dangerous, but he underestimates it completely. Mm. And so we are still dwelling in a fallen world. We are still sharing this world with fallen people, mm. rebellious people, Philistines. We are dwelling in a resurrected state, 
in a world that is actually against us. Mm. We're the spiritual host that is always waiting to see how it can afflict us, how it can infiltrate. And we have family members and people around us. And then, worst of all, we still have the flesh with us. And so we cannot relax now, especially not now. Especially. We are we are coming to a place where the things that God has promised, the things that God has shown us, that He would send us to the nations, that is coming true for us, but for all of us. And the way that you protect and keep the ground that we have won at home. It's going to affect how successful the rest of it is. And we're carrying the same responsibility. And we are going to continue to look at any area of our lives that need to be cleaned out, gotten rid of, um, repented of, put in order. If something needs to be put in order, we're going to take extraordinary measures to put it in order. Because... All the conquests out there that the Holy Spirit will lead us into for the sake of the kingdom, the ground we take, will be lost Mm. if we cannot keep things at home uh, strong, vital, and safe. So, we are in this together, each and every one of us. And we've now come to a place where We've drawn everybody's attention to those areas where that you need to identify yourself, that you need to correct yourself. And with, well, we've all been very patient with each other. Mm-hmm. But we don't know at what point in time um, the functioning of grace changes where it's been trying to teach us and show us how things work and then we've gone to a place where we're supposed to be responsible and things change and I think many of us have seen how quickly that can change mm. okay, so I'm asking please let's, let's be vigilant let's continue strongly in the direction that we've been traveling there's no turning around and um this is what happens in chapter 2. It says, Then the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I led you up from Egypt and brought you to the land of which I swore to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And you shall have no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Therefore I said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your side, and their God shall be a snare to you. So here the Lord is confirming that he has brought them into covenant. But he says because they just didn't do what he asked them to do. The consequences are now going to be permanent. So he's not rejecting them yet. Later on in the story he will. Much later, yeah. But now it just says there'll be a thorn in your side. Um, 
we see the same thing when he says his spirit will not strive with against flesh. Can you read it for us, please? Now, this is the scripture where uh, people could theorize that he, he limits the, the lifespan of man. Read it for us. Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his day shall be 120 years. Now, this is in the context of um, the days before the flood, where several things happen, and we're not going to go into all of that, but humanity has um, lost the knowledge of God, uh, abandoned the ways, the, the ways of God that they didn't know. Um, and humans used to live for 900 to 1,000 years. And here... One of two things is happening with 120 days, mm-hmm. yes. uh, 120 years. Either it's an indication of that there's going to be a certain amount of time before the flood comes, could be, or it is that God limits the lifespan of man from a thousand years to 120 years. And the context is so vague that. Mm. It's one of those things that we could read both of these scenarios into the text. But if it is, then I'm seeing in this something significant. See, if we lived for a thousand years, then the Holy Spirit would have to work moment for moment, every moment of our lives, on a daily basis, toward trying to get us just to remain in godliness. Mm. And even God said he's now so tired of striving against flesh that he's just going to give us 120 years and he's going to save us according to his perfect will, justify us according to election, call us, give us faith to respond to him, provide his lamb so that our sins can be washed away with and 120 years should be maximum period of time for him to get the work done and then just get us out of the flesh. Because even his spirit doesn't want to mm. stay in this form for longer than is absolutely necessary. And he actually goes like about 10% of the time could be enough to get the job done. Now we know that now we are living together and we are still flesh and uh, the flesh is always striving against the spirit. So as a fellowship we, we should have a lot of patience, a lot of grace with each other. Even God when I'm not spending a thousand years in one of these guys anymore. So, with the days that we do have, let's do everything in our power not to resist the Holy Spirit, to obey Him, to make His sojourning with us, His tabernacling with us, at least a time of honor and, and make it worthwhile. The Holy Spirit is constantly working to achieve those things that God has promised in us as quickly and effectively as possible. There's no reason for us to suffer, to struggle, to stay behind. There's no reason for us to have to deal with all the consequences of our, of our own actions. Now, what causes us to run into trouble if it's not for God's purposes? 
mostly not paying attention, mm. being too lazy to pay attention, foolishness, the, with other words, the lack of wisdom, the lack of exercising the wisdom that we have, the lack of seeking Him first and walking in the Spirit, that leads to walking in the flesh, not obeying His Word, being yoked with people that don't obey His Word, being um, in fellowship with people that are not going to walk out the principles, not live according to the eternal truth, and mostly us or other people allowing ourselves some leeway in the flesh. That's what gets us in trouble. And so when we go, how should we deal with sickness and stuff? Well, when sickness comes, we pray about, we pray into it. We do seek healing and we do believe in the supernatural provision of God. But ideally, we should live towards a place where we don't have to waste time with these things. So that's the message. Right now, we are still in such an incomplete state that we have to deal with praying ourselves into a position where the virus in us doesn't get us weak enough so that we cannot function. So we'll do make the effort, but in the future we'd like to get to a place when we're no longer vulnerable to the virus. We believe there's such a place and we believe that we're not, not there yet. We're not just going to claim it and all of a sudden be positioned. You don't become a warrior because you decided, I'm a warrior. You become a warrior by practicing, by training, and by fighting, gaining experience, becoming stronger, gaining authority. And you become a warrior, one victory at a time. And that's overcoming. And so eventually, we might become undefeatable. We are already not defeated. The word says that because he was not defeated. But at the moment, we still have to fight battles we were never supposed to fight. Mm. We still have to deal with circumstances that we probably didn't need to deal with. Um, it's because of a fallen world, number one, and because of us still walking in a fallen world, but mostly because we're bringing some of the aspects of the fallen world into our lives still. Uh, I hope this has been uh, of value to some of you. I want you to go and ask the Lord, keep me awake, keep me focused, keep mm -hmm. me wise. Seek wisdom all the time. The answer lies in wisdom. With the wisdom, the power will come. But we're not seeking the power to defeat sickness. Mm -hmm. We're seeking the wisdom to remain in covenantal protection. Mm -hmm. Amen.